0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Fort Worth Star Telegram's High School Huddle Podcast. We are all ready. Time flies by. We're at week seven of the high school football season for DFW and in Texas. I am Peter Dawson. You can follow me on Twitter at PT underscore Dawson with the blue check mark. I'm here, as always, with Brian Gossett. Brian, how are you doing on this rainy Tuesday?
1: Yep. Uh, hopefully, this doesn't continue all week. We had that earlier in the season. Hopefully, it's not back. but Season's coming along. Before you know it, playoffs will be starting already. Felt like it was August 6th and the the practices were just going. But it's moving along quick and uh, district races looking like coming into shape. Uh, There's some good ones. You know, we'll talk about week six games and we'll highlight some week seven. Very, very loaded schedule if you take a look. And then we're actually going to dive into some, some volleyball as the playoffs begin later this month.
0: Yeah, Brian's Brian's slowly giving me an education on high school volleyball in the area, so I'll be looking forward to that. But we're going to begin the show uh, talking about a player that we have talked a lot about so far, and that is Quentin Jackson from Benbrook High School. The Bobcats are five and one on the season, beating Lakeworth last week. Jackson, just when you thought he couldn't put up numbers that were any better, he rushes for a career high. Get this, four hundred and forty-five yards. But that's not all. He gets scores five touchdowns for the season. He has no, uh, excuse me a thousand nine hundred and twenty-six. Sorry, it's a mouthful to consider somebody <laughs> running for that many yards up to this point. Twenty-five touchdowns, all in just six games. Uh, that's he's according to Max Preps at least, and and not all the stats are completely filled out all there. Right. Uh, but he's the top back in the state in terms of rushing. Uh, it also ranks him third and seventh in the country, third in rushing yards, seventh in touchdowns. And one more quick note that that, that blows me, and, and I know he's playing at 4A, so the, the size of the players and the size of the schools are obviously right. tend to be smaller, but he's listed at 5'6", and, and Brian's seen him, and we were trying to guess around with his weight a little bit, can't be more than 190 pounds. I don't think so. I mean, all of that is just, it's hard to wrap your head around.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen him. Once this year. Just uh very shifty, you know, keeps moving. Gotta give credit to the offensive line, the big guys up front. But yeah, he's uh doesn't have a single offer. Um I'm sure he wants to play in college. I'm sure as the weeks go on and he keeps putting these numbers you think somebody's gotta take a chance. Yeah, somebody's gonna take a chance and, and somebody's probably gonna get a steal. Right. And, uh, you know, hopefully I get to go to practice Wednesday and talk to them. And hopefully we have them as a guest next week. Um, they play Dunbar uh, in week seven, trying to go six and one. And then, you know, they still have Kennedale later on. In week 10, right? Week 10, I believe. And, and that would probably be the biggest test in terms of can he put these numbers up uh, against a good defense.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, if you're an opposing coach, it's, it's and and obviously Dunbar is, is decent and Kennedale – should provide a challenge, but it's it's interesting to see what you do with that because obviously the numbers are so good. What what makes him number one? How do you stop him if you are an opposing coach? And number two, what what kind of in conjunction with that? What makes him so good? Is it the speed? Is is there one thing that sticks out, or is it kind of everything?
1: It's kind of everything. He's got the speed. He's got the ability to uh, you know switch gears and switch positions. Uh, very good on his feet. Very shifty. Again, a lot of credit to the O line. The only the game I watched against Anna, they don't really have a special formation. It's like you know, the quarterback lines up four or five yards, and he's right there behind him, and or not behind him, next to him, and he just hands it off, and, and he makes makes it happen. Makes it happen. It's not like they're an I formation. He doesn't have a fullback. You know, if you if you can keep up with some of these numbers, again, he's averaging 321 yards uh, per game which is also third in the, in the country, according to Max Preps. Against Lake Worth, he had a career-high 24.7 yards per carry. Um, I'd take that any day. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, again, I, I keep repeating it. Uh, he only had 1,500 yards, 21 touchdowns in 10 games last season. So he's
0: almost 500 yards, and he's already 400 he's already touchdowns yeah. over his season high last year.
1: And against Lake Worth, he also had a career milestone, 5,000 yards rushing. He hit 60 touchdowns. That's coming in 26 games. Uh, 26 games, he's got he's got 100 or more yards 22 times. He's averaging 8.6 per carry and 196 per game. I mean, again, if someone takes a chance on him in college, they'll get they'll get a steal.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, running back would probably be his position. But again, someone with that type of athleticism, you wonder. Yeah. You know, what, what could a college coach do if he got his hands on him? Maybe, what, defensive back or, you know?
1: Something. He's going to be – he's skilled everywhere. I mean, he probably could play both ways for Ben Brook, but, you know, they, they want all his energy on the offense. And one note, too, people might may not know and you may not know, Ben Brook, uh, his freshman year, they didn't have a varsity team. You know, they were, they were still middle school. Really? Yeah. So he's only played three years of varsity, and, and I was thinking, you know, 5,000 – Career rushing uh, rushing yards and 60 touchdowns. Well, if he plays one more year, I mean, right, he'd probably be among you know tops in all time. So I'm sure he he kind of I don't know if he I'm gonna ask him if he's thought about it. You know, hey, what if you had an extra 10 games and would that help with recruiting? Who knows? But uh, again, I think someone should take a shot on him.
0: Right now we're gonna we're again we're gonna look back. We're kind of playing hopscotch with the timeline here, but we're gonna take a look back to week six. Brian went to Fossil Ridge and Eaton last Thursday and Birdville and uh, the Birdville and Grapevine game on Friday. Two four-no teams there, came down to the final seconds. But let's start with that game in Justin on Thursday, Fossil Ridge and Eaton. Brian, what did you see?
1: Uh, I saw a very sloppy team in Fossil Ridge. We do a Texas Pick'em with experts, uh, me and Greg Tepper and Matt Stepp about seven of us, and we all took Fossil Ridge. (laughs) And they looked like the better team. They should have won, but they committed four errors on special teams. That's not going to help. They threw two picks. Um, I think Eaton, they blocked a punt. Uh, Fossil Ridge muffed a punt return, a kickoff return. In fact, they they probably could have gone down and got the win with under a minute left because Eaton was going for a long field goal but Fossil Ridge was called for one of those leaping penalties, you know, and right. so it resulted in a first down, and, and Eaton was able to run the clock there, and, and the Eagles are 4-1 now and, and, uh, overall this season and looking good in District 5, 6A. And then Birdville and Grapevine, uh, if you missed that one, that was at Hill Stadium uh, because Grapevine's Mustang Panther still under renovations, but about 4-0. Oh, it came down. Grapevine first and go at the four, no timeouts. They were they were down 24-20. They chose to run the ball, and Birdville sniffed it out. Like I mentioned in, in my story, they knew what was coming. After the game, I got to talk to Hosea uh, Armstrong, junior defensive back for Birdville. He had a really good game. Played on the defensive side. He also caught a 24-yard touchdown pass. He also ran for a 43-yard touchdown. And here's what he had to say about stopping Grapevine's uh, final run there. Were you surprised they
0: ran the ball down on that last block? Oh no, I knew they were gonna run it. You really? Come yeah. On. I can just, I've, I've studied so much film, I can just tell by the formation that they're gonna run it. My team is the most important thing to me, so I'll do anything for these guys. We got a real brotherhood, and I love it. I think our defense is good. Our defense is really good. I think we stepped up to the plate tonight. Um, they were really good. Grapevine is an amazing team. They have really good athletes, and I think we handled it pretty good. So, Brian, what was your, your take from that game?
1: Uh, yeah, just defensively, they stopped the final play, and, and uh, Birdville is still undefeated, one of these undefeated teams. So watch out for Birdville.
0: Right. I mean, you, you get to 5-0, and, and, you know, we've talked a lot on the show about momentum, and, and they might have it. And, you know, for me last week, the game, and we're not, I'm not going to get too much into detail on this one because, we've, A, we've talked about this team a lot, and, B, got a lot to get to on this show but i you know I, i'm not a big uh I, i'm not as as big a checker on my phone of scores but the one game that i was kind of keeping an eye on because i i, I kept sawing it what kept excuse me seeing it was south lake
1: oh with yeah,
0: no. Geyer. and it looked like and i kept checking i said you know what that you know we, we've been talking a lot about south lake and and obviously it wouldn't be the end of any kind of run but it would certainly be a hiccup and i kept checking and checking and checking I'm like this is it they're gonna they're gonna lose here and and then we're gonna have to talk about you know what kind of issues what kind of problems is riley dodge having in southlake but they end up winning
1: yeah and we have some video on dfw varsity but uh it was like 11 seconds left uh Child Lake had the ball and it was a double pass uh, i think will bowers threw it to i don't know who the player was but he was able to throw it downfield. Caught Geyer totally off guard, and uh, they picked up the win. You know, Geyer actually returned the extra point back for, for two. It didn't matter. Salt Lake Carroll won by four. But uh, that was – Geyer was going for a, a pretty good milestone. If they had beaten Carroll, they would have been the first team to ever beat Carroll at Dragon Stadium ever, all time.
0: Wow. I You know, and, and one thing that stood out, you mentioned that play – uh, and you would mentioned before, earlier, th- what's interesting to me about that is, and, and I think about this, about high school football, you know, we've, there are trick plays, they are really weird trick plays run all the time, right? But trusting your team to run a trick play in a situation where you need it to yeah. get a win, I think that says something about where a first-year coach or, and, and staff are with the team. I mean, I know they're Carol and they are always going to have talent, right. but... I think that says something.
1: And one thing too, and if uh, I think it's in our story, but uh, so they were they needed a field goal to tie it. And again, I think it was like either 11 or six seconds left. And uh, John Walsh, the guard coach calls a timeout. Right. And actually, Dodge was I think was lining up for a field goal, calls a timeout, and now Dodge is thinking, and he runs that trick play. So, you know, if, I don't know if Walsh just lets it go. He's probably trying to ice the kicker, but if he doesn't call a timeout, you know, who knows? Doesn't have time to think about it.
0: Changes his mind. Um, You know, obviously, you know, we talk about whether it's NFL or college, fourth down, field goal situations. I mean, it's really interesting to see how teams go for it. Shifting gears to week seven, Friday, you know, the, the train keeps on rolling. Another loaded slate. Many top games in Dallas-Fort Worth you're going to miss if, if you stay at home. I mean, pretty much drive around anywhere, you're going to run into a game. And obviously, Brian is pretty much driving uh, all over the area. First up, a 5-0 and Haltom team on DFW.com and at the Star-Telegram. We have the list of DFW teams that are still undefeated gets I don't know if it gets smaller every week but but there's still a fair number out there. Again, 5 and 0 Halton versus Trinity at Pennington Field. Trinity enters the week ranked in the AP poll at number 9 after rolling over St. Angelo Central. I mean they hung 70 on them. 70 to 28 they got in that win. Most points that that program has scored since November 9th of 2012 gained 536 yards of offense. 400 out of 536 on the ground, I mean, it's like it's over 80%. Uh, and then you have Shamar Morton up for Defensive Player of the Week, 10 tackles, two picks, one touchdown for a return. I mean, that's a for any game at any level, that's a huge stat line. The Trojans looking to go six and zero for the first time since 2015. They're averaging 40 points on offense, 18 on defense, which is Wild, Yes. Brian, what have you seen from Haltham?
1: Yeah, Haltham, you know, I, I keep getting the, the tweets about, you know, when are we going to be in the top ten. Uh, they haven't really played anyone yet. This will be the test. This will be the t- And I kind of see it as they don't necessarily have to win. If this is a, a legit, you know, close game, then I might really buy into Holtom. Okay. You know, if it's like in the fourth quarter and it's a, it's a good game or if they have the lead at halftime, something. You know, Haltum, give me something to believe in you guys. For
0: anybody listening out there that's a Haltum player or a fan, Brian Gossett does not believe in you, so you can go out there and prove him wrong this week.
1: They're actually the top uh, team in Dallas-Fort Worth in in your offense. Almost 500 yards per game, uh, 293 yards rushing. Michael Black, who was All-State quarterback last year, he continues to put up great numbers. Um, 1,700 yards total offense, 22 touchdowns.
0: Really quickly. Is he the best quarterback in the area?
1: It's hard to argue. It's he's, There's a lot of – I mean, he he's another kid that's not really getting a lot of offers. Right. And so, you know, how big recruiting is nowadays, you tend to look at it that way. But – by sheer numbers, yeah. I mean, he's got to be at least top five in, in Dallas-Fort Worth. And then just some other key contributors uh, for the Buffaloes. You know, Kenneth Cormier, he's uh, got 423 yards rushing, five touchdowns. They got really two good receivers, Julian Johnson and DeCorey and Mitchell, combined for 14 touchdowns, uh, 14 touchdown catches. Defensively, Keon uh, Shannon leads with 44 tackles. Jahari Williams has four sacks. And if you liked uh, Trinity's you know, 40 points and uh, to 18. Haltum's averaging 50 points per game and allowing 20 on defense. Again, I f- feel like this is one of those games where Haltom will it'll be a game in the first half, maybe third quarter. But I think ultimately, uh, I think Trinity will win by at least two scores.
0: Wow! So I, you know, I was I was I was giving you a little bit of grief earlier, but but you you feel you feel confident in that pick. Next game we're looking at is 4-1 Bowie versus 5-0 Arlington. That game will be on Friday night at UTA's Maverick Stadium, and we really want to give a quick shout-out uh, and thanks to our friends at the Arlington Voice, the paper there. They provided these stats. The Colts lead this series 22-12 all-time, but the Volunteers have won eight of the past 12 meetings. Arlington, meanwhile, has won the past two years 33-29, and 44 to 27, the scores in those two games. Bowie, they're coming off a 34-8 win over Sam Houston in that game. Malcolm Mays at quarterback, 14 of 18 for 215 yards and three touchdowns. Deonta Provost, 129 rushing yards and two scores there. Zeke Freeman, 115 yards receiving and two touchdowns. And Daquan Ponder, 18 tackles, another big number. Brian What are you seeing from Arlington?
1: Arlington, again, one of those teams. We actually have uh, 30 teams in the UIL and TAPS. You mentioned the list there on DFW Varsity. 30 teams remaining undefeated. Arlington's one of them. Kind of a dark horse. They're still um, in my DFW power rankings. They were number eight last week. You can catch that on Wednesday for a new ranking. Um, Arlington looking for their first 6-0 start since 1988. Wow. I wasn't even born yet. Okay, so, <laughs> neither, neither, neither was I, yeah. so we're, we're in the same boat And there. I'm pushing 30, so um, they're looking to do that. They're coming off a 35-0 victory against uh, Fort Worth Pasco. Again, another team that averages 50 points per game, 20 on defense. Uh, Shout-out to Scott Peach, the coach there, 100 career win uh, last week, so congrats, coach. We've mentioned his name before Jahari Rogers, at quarterback. He's near He's at 1500 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, and it seems like his favorite target is the big Texas Tech commit at wide receiver, Trey Cleveland. 536 uh, yards receiving, six touchdowns to lead the coach there. In terms of this game, I think it will be close. I'm I'm kind of thinking maybe three or four points. Arlington's got a couple of those already this year where they, it's been a one-score game. I think this this one would be very well in that category, but I think Arlington squeaks out a victory and goes to 6-0. Wow.
0: So you think they get back there for the first time since 1988. Obviously a big week for Tech and TCU at the college level. They're going to be in town as well. You can read uh, all our coverage there for Drew Davison at the Star-Telegram for TCU. Um, now we're going to move over to 5A for this one for the next game we're looking at. The Battle of the Lake Boswell at Azel on Friday. The Pioneers are 3-0 in district play. They lost their first two games, but have since won three straight. Over that span, they've outscored opponents 163-29. to They beat Saginaw in Week 6 in the Battle of the Wagon Wheel. Boswell has won two straight versus Azel. The Pioneers are coming in, averaging 40 points per game and allowing just 15 on defense. They have also, on offense, almost 200 yards rushing per game this year. What are you thinking about that game?
1: Well, man, we're really giving a shout-out here to defenses. I mean, 20 points per game, 18-15, looking pretty good here in uh, the Fort Worth area. Azo, I think, maybe caught a lot of people by surprise. They're 5-1 overall, 4-0 in district. I kind of try to look back on Max Prep, and I really couldn't find the last time they started District five and zero.
0: Right again, and and we talked about this last week, and I don't want to say it's necessarily a knock on Ken Seals, but Ken Seals obviously leaves there, and they still managed to have a yeah. pretty significant turnaround. They're
1: fine, so right. <laughs> they they got a big win at Crowley on Crowley's homecoming, forty-two to seven. You know, they've outscored their four district opponents, 153 to 30. It's already their most wins, uh, five that is, since 2015. Uh, they did win six district games in 2014, so they're they're a couple of wins shy of that. Dre Owen, who kind of replaced uh, Ken Seals, he's the, the dual threat quarterback. Over a 1,000 yards total offense, 14 touchdowns. Defensively, very good. Jacob Edwards and John Lester are tied for team lead with 52 tackles. Bradley Crawford uh, in the secondary there has three picks. This one is interesting. Um, I think it will be another close game. Obviously, this is an Azel, so that's going to give an edge to the Hornets. But I am leaning towards Boswell. Really? I'm leaning towards Boswell. I think another... One-score game maybe comes down to a field goal, something. But uh, I think Boswell picks up the win this week.
0: Now, our final game that we're looking at this week is Cleburne against Burleson Centennial. Cleburne is 5-0, and while Centennial is 5-1. and A lot of victories there uh, early in the season. Centennial five and one comes after coming off a big win, 21-17, over rival Burleson in the Battle of the Boot. The Spartans have won three in a row after outscoring opponents 80 to 22. We're also talking about a lot of points this week uh, for certain teams. They run the triple option. Quarterback Kyle Burns leading the way there. He threw a touchdown against the Elks, playing very well. They also they've also interestingly matched last season's win total. Um, in this game last year, Spartans beat Cleburne 53-28. How do you see these teams, where are they right now, and where, how do you see this game going?
1: I kind of put Cleburne in the same category as Azo, kind of a surprise team. I don't think a lot of people expected this. They, they knew Cleburne was going to be a lot improved. I mean, you got to be when you're 0-10 last season. Um, so 5-0, and oh great for Coach Casey Walraven there his second year. Um, I've talked about this on the podcast and in stories, but they, have, they didn't score 40 points in any of their games last season. Already five times, five games, five times they've hit 40 or more. Um, you need to really watch out for Gunnar Hammond and Jacob Reynolds, who quarterback-running back combo there in the backfield. Hard to stop them. They, they're coming off a 44-25 victory against Arlington Seguin. I think another – I love these close games. Um, I don't know if you do. I know, I know media loves these blowouts so they can hit their deadline, but right. these, these close games, I think this one, you mentioned 53-28 last year. I, I don't think it's going to be that that big at all. I think Cleburne uh, may have a lead in the fourth quarter, uh, but then I think Centennial might find a way to to pick up the win and improve and to 6-1 and, and hand Cleburne their first loss of the year.
0: Going to be a great one to look forward to there. Another good one in Week Seven, and we, in terms of the where the uh, this game ranks on kind of the uh, the interest scale, I, I would say we buried the lead a little bit because Plano East and Allen meet this week. Both teams undefeated. Both teams five and zero. Allen's the top team in the state. They're one of the top teams in the country. Plano East has been really, really good, particularly on defense. Both teams had a lot of time coming off a bye to prepare for this one. And, you know, we're going to talk real quickly about this game because in terms of the district and, and teams, at least in the area, we talked a little bit about can anybody beat Allen. We both seem to think no, at least in the next couple weeks for sure but can Plano East especially with how well they've been playing in the extra time give them a game or are we going to see like we talked about last week are we going to see finally see Angry Allen this week?
1: I think uh, Angry Allen is going to show up on Friday and there hasn't been much talk but I've seen a lot I've seen some on Twitter not particularly between the two teams or anything like that but you know, a couple of weeks ago when Plano East uh, had their last game, I think the, the fans were chanting, we want Allen, we want Allen, and that's where yeah. we're talking about angry Allen. Yeah. And then uh, someone had talked to Allen's receiver, Theo Weiss. Um, best,
0: arguably the best receiver yeah. in the state, Theo, you commit, right? I think
1: he's like third in the nation at the receiver spot. I think somebody had said, you know, overrated or something. And Yeesh. I mean, hey, you don't get – don't wake up the the bear there. So, um, I I don't think this will be a close game. I, All I th- right. I mean,
0: you want an interesting game. You want an upset. I uh, do. Gives us something to talk about for sure.
1: I think. I think you know. First quarter might be, and then that's it. I, I think Allen. I got Allen by at least three touchdowns.
0: Yeah, it's, and it's too bad about Wees too, because you know you. you you have Kyler Murray only has this year left at OU, and Weiss will be there next year. And it's too bad you couldn't – you know, obviously they didn't have an overlap at Allen, but it would yeah. would have been cool to see maybe an Allen connection there because you, you got to figure with Weiss's talent, he's probably going to see some time right away at right. OU.
1: Another weapon for Murray, but, uh, yeah, he's probably going to go to uh, – The Pope Oakland the Athletics, Oakland, yeah. right, first-round
0: pick. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think he's going to be okay. But obviously people in Texas and Oklahoma and, and most other places probably – maybe I prefer he played football anyways one other game this week that features two teams with perfect undefeated records and that would be the upstart Frisco Reedy 6 and 0 visiting the 4 and 0 visiting 4 and excuse me Lovejoy Reedy playing extremely well the Lions are 4 and 0 in district play averaging 40 points per game man it seems like a lot of these teams are averaging over 35 40 points a game right Lovejoy yeah. Speak of the devil, Lovejoy comes in averaging 55 points per game. Brian, you know we we were we, I guess this is the week for predictions. What's yours for this game?
1: Lovejoy's been good a long time. Uh, I believe their coach Todd Ford is is still there. Very uh, good, one of the best in DFW. I think Lovejoy uh, was predicted to win the district title there, and they've kind of made it. They've had long playoff runs in the past. Uh, Maridi I I don't know if surprise is the right word they might have figured you know this is their third year playing varsity this is probably the year Um, a lot of points I I don't expect any defense at all kind of feel like this might be a a 50 you know 48 type of game Uh, but I think in the end I think Lovejoy with that experience and and it uh, seems like their offense is uh, uh, just a shy better than the lions and it's at home uh, i got love join this one
0: okay and and a few other games to watch this week we have Eaton and Keller going head to head we have Highland Park and Legacy folks in Dallas get get a little excited for that one and then Ryan and Colleyville Heritage obviously there are a bunch of other games out there but we're going to shift gears here at the end of the show wrap things up with a quick uh, note on volleyball and before we get into the scheduling part of it Brian you did a story uh, we talked about a little bit last week but we're going to talk about it again now Terry Glenn's daughter volleyball player obviously former cowboy passed away last year in
1: November yeah. in
0: November right, right almost right around this time talk about
1: it I mean it was nice Now they she's just a sophomore you know she kind of she still has a hard time talking about it you know can't blame her there uh, she glad you know gave me the opportunity to talk to her about it uh november terry uh, car accident he was only 43 you know left behind six kids and uh so natalie was 21 last year she was a freshman she was star telegram newcomer of the year um decided to switch jerseys 83 terry was 83 back with right. the cowboys and so just to, a way to Honor her her dad one more time. And again, she's one of the top players in DFW, and you know on a Carol team that's you know, always good and expect a good playoff run from them. So glad I was able to talk to her, and that story's up on DFW Varsity.
0: Yep, with the star Telegram and Brian's Twitter account as well. Now, we'll get into the scheduling part of the volleyball. The regular season is nearing the playoffs already we're starting, which the play, excuse me, the playoffs start on October 29th. So we have about four or five games to go, you know, for teams before then, but a lot of district races coming down to the wire, seedings up in the air. And then, and then, you know, depending on how things shake out, we'll have the tiebreakers. But quickly, a few thoughts on how this season is gone and where we're headed in the next couple of weeks with high school volleyball in the DFW area.
1: Yeah, we'll just start with Carol, since we're talking about the Dragons. They're in Probably the best district in the state, five six A. Um, just how good Carroll is, and they're fourth in district. You have Byron Nelson, who's number one in the state, thirty five and one. You know they're they've been nationally ranked by USA Today. I think maybe sixth or seventh. And then second is Keller, who's always good. They're led by uh, Lauren Otto, who's who's all American at TCU. And then Denton Geyer is another good team. They're they're third. They just beat Carroll. On Friday, I mean. So if Carroll finishes fourth, uh, I tweeted this out, but I think they're they're probably the most dangerous fourth seed ever <laughs> that at least I can remember. And it, actually, that that first round matchup, as they play in 66A with Capel Hebron, that, that that's like a regional tournament right there in itself. Because you have Byron Nelson again, one loss on the year. There's a shot that they would play Hebron who's the three-time defending 6A state champs. This is the first round. I mean, you're expecting those teams to go. That's a long road. Yeah. And then Kara would play Coppell, who you know has won two state titles in the last decade. That's a number one versus number four. And then Keller versus Flower Mound would be interesting because Flower Mound has Jamie uh, Segoe. Her first year at Flower Mound, she came over from Keller. So that would be kind of a reunion, welcome back thing. But that, that's, like, that's like a regional tournament. And I, if people don't know, it was in Glen Rose last year, 6A Region 1. It's moved to uh, in, in Haltom City at the Thomas Coliseum. It's a little closer. I, I'm happy about that. <laughs> uh, but 6A Region 1 is just loaded. It's just loaded. There's just so many. Weatherford's another good team to watch out for. Arlington Martin uh, went to the regional tournament last year. And then you can't you got to count out Region 2 with Prosper. Okay. The they won 5A last season, but they got pushed up to 6A. Um, They're looking very good there. Plano West, the Plano school is always great, and uh, so if Peter, if you're gonna watch uh, some volleyball, maybe catch a game. Yeah, make sure it's uh, you know one of those 6A schools. I mean, it's just it's amazing to watch.
0: Yeah, and and for you, of course, on, on top of all of his high school football duties, he does volleyball as well. I don't I don't really know when you find time to sleep.
1: Like my good friend Darren Lauber says, there's six of us. so I have, I have about five or six uh, clones, so we're all just doing our thing and, and going every game. People don't know that, but I've, I've figured out a way to clone myself. So.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to shift back to the football, uh, a few scheduling notes for football here. Brian, power rankings, what to watch for. When are those coming out this week? What should folks be looking for?
1: Got five things coming out uh, Tuesday. And then um, power rankings Wednesday. Catch me this week uh, Friday. Haltum. I'll be there. You know, maybe you guys can prove me wrong. Haltum versus Trinity. Yeah,
0: haltum fans, don't kill Brian. He's he's a really nice guy.
1: Yeah, unless you want Peter to do the podcast alone.
0: Yeah, I don't know nearly as much as Brian, unfortunately. So yeah, you guys uh, you guys will be left in the dark on that one. Uh, anything else you got coming this week in terms of stories?
1: Um, just uh, the Benbrook one. I might go out and and talk to Coach. Slater and and Quentin Jackson, just the fact that he's the top uh, running back in the state by, you look at the numbers, so I might do a story there uh, Wednesday or Thursday, and then uh, just another game Thursday, I'll be at Northwest ISD again uh, for Fort Worth Wyatt and Justin Northwest.
0: And once again, a reminder, you can find all of this coverage, dfwvarsity.com, thestartelegram.com, our Facebook and Twitter pages. You can also follow, should follow, Brian and I on Twitter. Uh, We'll be tweeting out the podcast as well as our high school coverage from this week. And that will do it for Brian and I. Stay safe out there on the the roads, and uh, we'll all catch you next week.